The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My name is Chad Anderson. I am uh, your host, and I am joined here by three of my dear friends. Uh, If you guys want to introduce yourselves... Uh, And as you're doing so, let us know what maybe your first exposure was to the X-Men before this. My name is Heather, and I think my first exposure to the X-Men 100% came from my dad. I know that for sure, Um, because he was always really big into comic books and superheroes. Um, And but I think my first real exposure was probably the movies with, you know, Patrick Stewart and... Ian McKellen and everything like that, I think, was my first exposure. Um, my name is Helaman, and I will say that my first exposure to X-Men, um, I used to watch X-Men Evolution growing up, and, but yeah, I'm gonna go uh, also with the movies, too. Uh, my name is Taylor, and my first introduction to the X-Men was the early 90s version um, and that used to come on every Saturday morning. So that was my earliest exposure, and after seeing that show, I was just immediately hooked on it, darling. So that's that's me. Uh, who would you guys say, uh, prior to today at least, that your favorite X-Men characters are? Just from the movies, my favorite was always Rogue because of who I am as a person. <laughs> I am always like, I'm always like debating which one because I love Storm so much mm. and I love Jean Grey too. And watching the um, X-Men Evolution, I'm always like debating which ones I would go for, so. Um, I'm kind of in the same camp of Hilaman in the sense that I have so many favorites, but I'd have to say the one favorite who lies above all the others would definitely be Storm for me. I loved Storm. She was the first black goddess I had ever seen on television, and coming from the early 90s, that's saying a lot. Uh, But I also liked Rogue, I liked Mystique, and I particularly loved Jean Grey. She was amazing, especially during the Phoenix Saga. That was, I mean, that said so much to me as a kid, and it actually bolstered my confidence a lot, too. Um, So, yeah. I've been rewatching the old cartoons with my kids. I just watched that again. Uh-huh. And they've been playing X-Men and they will walk around pretending to be Storm and everything is like Thunderstorm! <laughs> I summon the blizzards! Like it's I cracking me up. The great winds of the <laughs> uh, I uh, I am the one in the room that is the huge comic book nerd. I've literally read every comic book. Uh, I'm reading the current runs of X-Men. My favorite character is always changing based on just what the current stories are. Mm. If I had to pick an all-time favorite, it is probably Rogue. 
my current favorite in the comics is this obscure character named Nanny that they're using in the Hellions, and she's amazing mm-hmm. and terrible, and I love it. Uh, so the that will have no reference point to any of you. <laughs> uh, so for the three of you, if you could just confirm, have you ever read X Men number one from nineteen sixty three before today? No. Nope. No. No. Uh, so we had a chance to sit down and read the issue together, and uh, uh, we're here to talk about it. So uh, I want to put into context, uh, 1963 is a long time ago. So back in 63, we had Martin Luther King's famous I Have a Dream speech. Mm-hmm. We had uh, JFK's assassination. The Beatles were really famous. Gas was 29 cents. <laughs> Uh, only- <laughs> so cheap. <laughs> um, there was a lot of things happening in the world. The big shows at the time were like the Flintstones and Mr. Ed. I mean, so you, <laughs> I think in some ways, in order to enjoy this issue, you have to take yourself back to like when my mother was a child. <laughs> but it's 2021, so we can be critical. It's okay. Uh, let's start with the cover of the book. What did you guys think of the cover? Uh, my first, my first opinion of the cover, like. Um, the first thing that my eye was drawn to was Magneto and how he has horns on his helmet, which you don't see in the rest of the comic. They did that for the cover of the comic in order to, my guess, mark him as the bad guy, the evil one. He's like wrapped in soap bubbles. And he's wrapped in soap bubbles and, (laughs) you know, Cyclops is like shooting a beam to break his force field and Iceman is like throwing his little his little snowball baseball things at him and and then another thing that I noticed is that Jean Grey Do not get me started (laughs) (laughs) Jean Grey honey honey Jean Grey is in the back and all she's doing is just standing there posing like oh oh what do I do and it's like come on the very first thing I wrote down in my notes was cover, Jean Grey. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Compared to now, it would be like the opposite. The women would be like all like fighting with nostrils like super raging, and then the men mm-hmm. would probably be like in the back too. So I think it definitely changed. It definitely changed. Even yeah. for changed the so even much. for the sixties, like oh, you yeah. try to stand like that. She's like on tiptoes, hip oh, yeah. out, I know. arms like make flexed. her feet look as small as possible. <laughs> Just make her look as pretty. Show off her figure. Put her arms out to the side. Oh yeah. Like as yeah. a long term fan, the thing that stands out most to me is Iceman looks like a snowman. In the later comics, <laughs> yes. he looks like he's covered in ice. But in the first right. few issues, he looks like he's covered in snow, and it's he looks just like ridiculous. Frostbite. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you put a pack of hot dogs in the freezer <laughs> for a few months and then you pull it out, it's just covered in all of these like ice crystals. And I know every snowflake is different, whatever. Like people are different, but still it's kind of kind of silly. See, my thing with Jean Grey on the cover, she looks like a damsel in distress. Oh, that is exactly what she looks like mm-hmm. on that cover. Oh, I can totally Absolutely. agree. She looks oh, yeah. like she's being rescued by the others on the team. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, I don't know what to do. Exactly. Yeah. 
So the uh, the X Men have come a long way since then, and they are well known for their powerhouse women now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there were two other team books at the time: Fantastic Four and the Avengers, and they did the same type of thing with the Invisible Girl and the Wasp. In almost every issue, it'd be like, "Why don't you go do your hair while the men fight the bad guys?" Right. I mean, those types of statements were not in- uncommon. But we see a lot of this in X Men One for sure. And now you see Black Widow on screen, and you know she's kicking ass, and it's great. Oh, hell yes, she's <laughs> yes. getting her own movie. I I love uh-huh. it. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. And let's not forget WandaVision. Oh. Because that's happening too. So the Scarlet Witch debuts in issue number four of the X-Men. Ooh. So when we get there, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. I have very yes. strong feelings about Scarlet Witch, so I'm very excited. Oh, wait till, <laughs> wait till you read her first appearance. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But I have very strong feelings. <laughs> uh, so the issue... Uh, the issue kind of divides into four spaces. Let's start at the beginning. Professor X is this lonely man sitting in a wheelchair in this very huge mansion. And he summons the boys for a little training exercise in a room that has to be the size of a coliseum because, you know, they're like flying around in it. There's robots Mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, Tell me about your reactions to the first part of the book, you guys. I was cracking up because at the beginning, whenever you first see the first panel with Professor X... It says something about thinking indescribable thoughts. And isn't the whole point of writing to describe the thoughts of your characters? (laughs) And everywhere else, Stan Lee is so wordy. But for Mm -hmm. Professor X, it's just indescribable Indescribable. thoughts. Yeah. Um, I noticed that too. And I was thinking, you know, why why couldn't we have a little bit of a deeper... Um, experience of what Xavier's thoughts are like and right. what that experience is for him. Um, um, another thing that I want to mention is for like the first part of the ser- for the first part of this of this issue, Xavier is in a lazy boy. <laughs> he's not in a wheelchair. He's like sitting in a couch with yeah, a blanket over reclining. his lap. Like they, they have him in a recliner when they're training. Yeah. And it's like, well, I have to, you know, the thing that I thought was, I have to talk to you telepathically because nobody's given my teeth yet. And, and it's just like. Yeah, because he doesn't speak for so long. Right. And then you realize why. It's all thought right. You realize it's why. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards. Yes. But, but in the moment, I, I honestly, whenever I was reading it, I asked Chad, I was like, does he speak at any point yeah. in this? Because it's all been thought bubbles so far. And, you know, later you realize yeah. why. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the moment, I was like, what, what is this? And there's that amazing image of the teenagers all rushing to take care of him, like cover him in blankets. We have to like, make him comfortable. Yep. Because they want to score points with their teacher. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he's a telepath. And there's part of me that wonders if he's just, like, making them dance like monkeys. Mm, He's manipulating them. He's like, get me a blanket, lay me back, do as I say. Yeah. Oh, that's so kinky. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you go to- Come over here, Ice Man. Papa needs a lollipop. (laughs) (laughs) If you go to page one- uh, what are your reactions to uh, Iceman sliding down the ice pole in oh his very first gosh. image? He is giving us pole dancer realness right there. <laughs> <laughs> he is twirling down that ice pole, which is coming out of nowhere. That's what I was about to say. Like, there's no origin of the ice pole. <laughs> right. 
it just kind of like comes out in the middle of the panel or like a third of the way down and there's Iceman twirling down like a certified stripper in his in his boots and his snow clothing. And I love how they have to like introduce themselves like oh Cyclops is coming in or mm-hmm. like the Angel and like Iceman. Like it just feels like very like the 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 guy with the low voice in my head like that introduces in the movie like like Mr. Uh-huh. Movie Phone? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about, like... So cheesy, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, the whole time I was reading the comic, I was thinking about, like, that cheesy, like, in the main study of an exclusive private school in New York's (laughs) Westchester County, a strange, silent man sits motionless, brooding, alone with his indescribable thoughts. You're like, you're you're like, like, okay. You're like a 1940s World War II radio (laughs) guy. (laughs) (laughs) You should just do that for a living, for real. (laughs) So oh, I'll give well, them and a lot with more. them introducing themselves as they come in, I almost wonder if that's what Professor X has them do to get used to, like introducing themselves as they go save people. That's like, a good point. Hey, hey Iceman's coming point. in. I'm going to save you. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, in the first issue, the characters do not have a lot of character. I no. feel like Iceman's the only right. one that really has a lot of character. Uh, he's he's well, the jokester, right? Okay, I I agree with you there, but I also feel like um, so Iceman and also uh the uh, the Beast, Hank McCoy, I think he has a lot of personality too. It's just not in the way that you would expect him, because like, not in the way that you would expect him to. Because like when I came into X Men, it was of course that '90s series that came on TV and. And, you know, Hank McCoy was blue and he was very civilized and very, you know, he was just very educated, very intellectual, despite his brute strength and despite his appearance, you know, that's how I'm used to seeing him. So when I saw him here and when I saw like the antics that he got up with to offend (laughs) Miss Jean Grey, I was like, (laughs) this is not the Hank that I was expecting at all. So that big word personality that comes in in a couple of issues. Oh, does it? It's really? like yeah, yeah. So they they like the give them character. <laughs> they like give them character over time. But this Good. first issue, they're all kind of blank slates, right? Okay, yeah. but let's. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was gonna say they look very different too. Which like mm. for the Beast Man, like you never see him with a uniform. Like he 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 looks like very covered up actually, which is really <laughs> he's strange. Kind of fur, yeah, usually. yeah, he usually is like blue and furry, but like mm-hmm. right here he's very covered up and yeah, he has his big old feet and hands popping. So out, so. so blue and furry and happens a lot later, but let's take some time. <laughs> let's take some time to talk about each yes, of these characters and how you how you <laughs> react to them. Let's start with Beast. What are your thoughts on Beast through this issue? So he's his powers, he's got big hands and big feet and enhanced strength and agility. Mm-hmm. And you see him using that. He's like very acrobatic. Mm-hmm. He's picking up big things, but it's like lots of jumping, leaping, grabbing with his right. big hands. Very acrobatic, very brute strength. Um, and, you know, I feel like this, this version of him is a lot more it's it's so much more linear which you already mentioned that you know right now we're introducing the characters and so they're all kind of like tabula rasa mm-hmm. in a way and um but i have to say that the version that i see of him here versus the version that i'm familiar with i am 
I'm glad <laughs> that, you know, he developed the way that he did. That's all I have to say about that. He Does that make sense? I totally second, I totally second that because he looks very, like, it just... It, there's not a lot to him right now, mm-hmm. and that's why it's like an introductory in, in, introduction of the beast. Uh, so, I I have to thank that. I don't have any, yeah, comments about that. I th- I think the code name Beast is bizarre. There's nothing bestial about him. Right. Not really. No. He's just he's just know, big and hairy. But he's not even super hairy covered. yet. Like in this, he's not. All it depends that. on the panel. He's sure. he's thick, honey. <laughs> he is, <laughs> honey. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is quite thick. Uh, no, uh, yeah, the name and beast, very apish. The name know. beast just baffles me. Now later, you learn like he's a huge science nerd, mm-hmm. and so the beast is kind of a play on words almost. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's a weird. That's not it's how almost it like they're. It's almost like they have the thing in the Fantastic Four, so they needed some sort right. of. Right, they needed the beast. Strong guy mm-hmm. with a short name. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but here that he also doesn't like he's like a he becomes human again like he becomes like a person and in the comics he doesn't or I mean uh, in the movies he doesn't become some of the movies have him uh, as a person as a person so maybe that's what I missed then when I because I haven't watched all of the movies that's my Mm -hmm. bad so the way it happens is like after Beast graduates from the X-Men in the comics, this is years later, he is performing a science experiment that goes wrong and it turns him blue and furry. Oh! And then he's like that in the comics forever. Oh, Oh, okay. That I did not know. (laughs) I didn't know that either. That's very interesting. Which is kind of how they do it in X-Men Origins, like the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, When he becomes the Beast, it's because of a science experiment gone wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And oh my god, the actor that plays the Beast in that oh, film is I love him so, so much. I don't remember his name, but he's very good looking. Oh, okay. He's uh, the dude from Warm Bodies. Let's talk about uh, Iceman. We stand a mm. nudist, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Textiles beware. Do you think he's naked or has he covered his clothing in ice? I think he is full on naked. Because, I think he's naked too. Because mm-hmm. the boots don't get covered in because ice. He's to. wearing boots. And those don't get covered in ice. So that leads me to believe that everything, nothing else would be covered in ice These if you were wearing clothes. These boots are very right. definitely meant for because, walking. Especially because later when... <laughs> That's just what they'll do. <laughs> but no, you have a great point, Because later when they're all getting ready to go on their mission, yeah. and he's like, I can do it so much faster than everyone else because I just have to put on my boots. Yeah. And so he doesn't that, say anything about yeah, any other article So that clothing. leads me to believe that he is full on naked the he's entire time. a 16-year-old boy sitting on the floor, spread-legged, putting his boots on yeah. while covering himself in ice. <laughs> I wonder wow. what people thought about or if they did not think about it back then, like if that was a thing or not. So uh, here's another fun comic nerd thing. So the Fantastic Four has the Human Torch who right. lights on fire. And he's right. naked. Well, anytime he lights on fire, he'd be naked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Fantastic invents something called unstable molecules that all of their clothing are made out of. So mm-hmm. when he starts on fire, it doesn't burn his clothing. Mm-hmm. And some of the X-Men start wearing unstable molecules later uh, in the run, which is fun. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, okay. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. um, so one, th- one fun thing about Iceman, rereading this. So it, it is revealed in the comics many, many years. All right, so we're going to take a sidestep here for just a minute. In order to enjoy comic books, you have to be able to do two things at the same time. You've got to cement it when it was written because continuity is really important. Right. Context. But Marvel has this thing they call the sliding time scale. 
So X-Men 1 came out in 1963, but now in 2021, so it's like 50 plus years-ish right around there, the characters have only aged like 10 to 15 years. Sure. Yeah. So this happened in 63, but all of the comics over a period of decades have, have like happened in a, in a shorter amount of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, in like 20, I think it was 2014, it's revealed that Iceman is gay. And so the first image of him sliding down his own ice pole <laughs> is amazing. Which he did not know that he was, by the way. Well, because in the first movie, like with Patrick Stewart and everything, he's totally hitting on Rogue. Like, right. Yeah, and he's right. like, hey, let's date. Mm-hmm. That was before they revealed it right. in the comics. So. Right. Yep. So there's, Which, a thing in, there's a thing in comics called retroactive continuity, where you can go back and add mm-hmm. backstory or filler story before. Yeah. And that was, yeah. So it, Is that he, like how they made Dumbledore gay after the fact? Is that the same kind of Probably. I'm going to presume that J.K. Rowling did <laughs> not sense. know Dumbledore was gay in the first book. But Iceman, we can read this and know that he's gay, even yeah. though they didn't say it tell us till 50 mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you guys think of his character? Um, I think he's the comic relief, which is yeah needed. He's the clown. Especially because, like, just listening to Professor X and some of the others, they're all very straight-laced in its end. They're very serious. Yes. And so Iceman being the comic relief, and he's like, hey... I'm just over here. You're not letting me do anything real, so I'm going to be ridiculous mm-hmm. just to show you. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's funny. I want to like the 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 impression that I got was Iceman wants to make this whole thing fun, and you know, you in the very beginning when Professor Xavier comes out of his indescribable meditation (laughs) and he's like attention x-men this is professor xavier calling repeat this is professor you know and then he's like yeah class is now in session tardiness will be punished it's like very very serious the whole thing and then iceman comes along and he's like you know what i just joined this school with all of these like weird people he's so much younger than the others and and, and i'm so much younger than the other ones and I just want to make the most out of this, and I just want to have fun with it. Which, if you're gay, you know what that's like. You know what it's like to just, like, have to do stuff, like... But make it fabulous. But make it fabulous. Right. Make it fun. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that he is the most powerful on the team in this issue. I think that... Don't they come out with... Um, isn't Iceman one of the Omega-class mutants? He is an Omega-class mutant. Yeah. yeah. As so is Jean Grey. As is Jean Grey, mm-hmm. yes. So he is very, very powerful. But in this issue, we see him doing more with his powers. He's oh, right. he's throwing ice balls and ice grenades, and, and he's covering mm-hmm. things and making shields. He's like mm-hmm. sending back a bowling ball coming his way, and he's like, oh, nope. I'm shielded and it's coming back to you. So yep. watch his, out. His little yeah. ice curve thing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Cyclops. Ultimate suck up. Oh my God. Oh my God. Ultimate suck up. <laughs> I think we all have a consensus there. Cyclops is like, and I mean, suck up. honestly, because, you know, I work with kids in state custody. And so like knowing that he is an orphan, it makes sense because he's trying to find that acceptance from his mentor, his, his authority and, figure. Yeah. And so like, it makes a lot of sense knowing his backstory, but if you're just coming into it, not knowing that he's just a super suck up and you're like, Hey, chill, man. Mm-hmm. Like teacher's pet. It's fine. Yeah. He's like no. a professor Xavier's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he totally is. That gets worse. Uh, oh, oh gosh. I can't wait. 
And then his powers, he has optic blasts. Yeah. He mm-hmm. cannot remove his visor. The name Cyclops doesn't make a lot of sense for him, except, except that he has visor. one yeah, hole in his visor. One line. Yeah. Which in this comic he controls by like the pressure of his laser or his optic blast is like how far like he cell. opens yeah. the visor. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of his powers? Well, I already knew about his powers yeah. because yeah. they're very complex because that's what I mean, watching what I, what I growing up watching it explained it really well of what how it everything worked out mm-hmm. so like and even uh in the cartoon he even had like sunglasses uh i don't mm-hmm. know if he has sunglasses like in here. Yeah. right that like that would was not to bless blast out into thin air or anything like that or mm-hmm. it was I, supposed to contain it in there even yeah, yeah. so i, I think that his powers are one of I mean, obviously one of the most unstable, but I think they're yeah. probably one of the most difficult to deal with. Yeah. Especially if, because he was born like that. Mm-hmm. And so how did that get dealt with? Well, right. so Life. when you're a mutant, generally your powers develop in puberty. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's, like, he's he in the orphanage out, one come day. Come out of the womb, you know, blasting everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the orphanage one day and his eyes okay. light up, right? Uh, and and you learn later, actually, that his inability to control his optic glass is because of a head injury he sustained as a child, oh, which is interesting. That actually makes a lot of sense. Oh. But yeah, so I just feel like his is one of the most difficult to deal with because he can't control it. Yeah. He like, needs every, some sort else, of external... Yeah. Tool yeah, to everyone else, like not everyone regulate. else, but a lot of the other ones, they're like, oh, yeah. I Rogue can... is the same way. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She can't control her, you know, she has to wear those gloves. Yeah. Otherwise, she's going to like drain everything, you know, drain, yeah. drain you. And there's other uh, X-Men, you know, well, there's yeah. like there's I a said, character named Wiccan who will kill you if yeah. he touches you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Wiccan, I'm sorry. Wither. Yeah, like, there's a character named Wither. Scarlet Witch's son. Yeah, no, Wither. I meant to say Wither. Wither will like kill you if he touches you. Like there, that's a theme in the comics. Yeah. But Cyclops is the first. Yeah. In those ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and by the way, just because here's the nerd side, the glasses that block his optic blasts are called. They're made of ruby quartz. Ooh. I did not know. They cannot yeah. be regular old sunglasses. Of course no, not. Not, <laughs> at all. not at all, darling. Uh, let's talk about Angel. Super posh. He is Warren Worthington. he carries down the name and he just seemed like the way he talks you're like okay you're real upper class like you're real posh Mm -hmm. and even before i knew what his name was when he entered when he gets introduced later by his human name yeah i was like "Mm, he's He's upper class just yeah. from the way he's he talks. He's a bit bougie. Yeah, he's, he's real bougie. bougie. He's real bougie. Um, and and that's one of the things is with with Angel because I when I was a kid I loved Angel, and I loved Archangel who came later. Uh, but the thing about it is I would have been a lot more you know as I'm, now that I'm older, um, I would have appreciated Angel being born in a situation that was that was a little bit more contrary to his name and his power which are those wings that allow him to to fly you know if you were born like in the slums or something like that covered in garbage and just like dirty and stinky and then you know he's discovered and he realizes who he is like i feel like that would be a lot more um 
just it, it would it would be a much more powerful metaphor, I think, yeah. for his character and for the power that he has, which is flight. He uh he gets a lot more character development later. He's yeah. like a blank slate in this first issue. He mm-hmm. does nothing. But out of this group, there's an ongoing theme in the X-Men where you have certain characters that can pass. Yeah. Right? Because yes. you can blend into the human population yeah. and then you have certain mm-hmm. characters who cannot. Beast has big hands and feet. Cyclops has to wear his goggles. Mm-hmm. But Angel has these giant wings sprouting out of his back. Yep. And you get to see in the issue how he has to like harness them and tuck them in under his mm-hmm. coat. And belt them in. Right. And he talks about how the coat feels like a straitjacket because he has I'm to sure hide. Like that's one of the big queer themes that shows up in this issue, even though yeah. Angel is not queer. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have a reaction to that scene Wait, of he's him? Not, he's not queer? No. He's oh. just real bougie. <laughs> he's just real bougie. Yeah. Did you guys have a reaction Josh to that scene not. of him tucking his wings in? Yes. Uh, yes. Me too. What was that <laughs> reaction? Oh, follow-up question. What was the reaction? Oh, what was the reaction? I thought you said, well, uh, did you? Anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, you know, he's got these big luxurious wings and he has to strap them down and everything. And... And it makes me think of how you have, there's this part of you, this part of your identity that you cannot deny. And there's no way that you can, that you would ever think of stifling it or hiding it. And yet you have to, you have to stifle it and you have to hide it. And it just becomes so I can imagine how maddening it was. I was just watching this. This has nothing to do with the X-Men, but I was just watching um, American Horror Story Asylum and seeing those people in the straight jackets caused a visceral reaction in me. And that's what it felt like when I was looking at Angel in these comic books, too, and having to see how he straps himself down like that. It's like there's a part of you that wants instinctually to be let loose and give you the ability to go about your life in this fantastic way that other people just don't get. They just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And in, you hide you, it because you, you're and afraid you have to hide it mm-hmm. because you're afraid of the rejection and the sense of annihilation that comes from revealing that you're so different. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. That's what it's like to be gay too. You know, it took me until I was like eight, uh, 17, 18 years old to come out. Uh, I was 32. Isn't oh, that gosh. terrible? <laughs> I was about oh, 22. <laughs> That's a long time to wear a straight jacket, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I do think there's a commentary for gay people who feel stifled. Uh, but you have a commentary about, like, uh, more feminine gay men or more masculine mm-hmm. gay women who have to turn on or off their gender presentation. Mm-hmm. And then for trans people, it's even more. I have some very dear trans friends who you can only present at home or in safe spaces. And then you've got to pretend to be something else out in the real Mm -hmm. world, you know? And that can be so hard. Uh, uh, Yeah, traumatizing. But I love the the meaning behind it because wings, it means like freedom, go fly, you know? Mm -hmm. He has to just like, just tuck them in and just like, it just feels very painful and really, like he has to like really like tighten them up because he doesn't want to show it. So. So we, we talked about Professor X a little bit earlier, but let's, uh, let's share some reactions to him really quickly. In my opinion, Professor X is the real villain. I agree. I actually have it written down that he's very controlling. Um, yeah. Because I was wondering if they get to pick their names at all. Because when he introduces Jean Grey, he's like, this is Marvel Girl. 
And it's like, okay, did you just come up with that? Like, did they get any say? Because I mean, some of it makes sense, like Iceman, like, all right, it's basic, but it works. And like, even Angel, it makes a certain kind of sense. But it's like, okay, did Professor X just decide for them? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is your new name now. You don't get a choice. He's just very controlling. And he is very, like, micromanaging. He gives them... He's like, hey, you have three seconds to get here. Yeah. And be here in, uh, and, and yeah, you're absolutely be here in 15 seconds, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then when they get there, they're like, oh, we're here, sir. We're here. And he's like, thank right you for time. your tardiness. Or, thank <laughs> you for your, for your punctuality. The, punctuality. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I mean, this is a man like, rich. This is a man rich enough to have this giant ass mansion with this huge right. training facility. He has his right. own helicopter. Right. You also have to presume he knows about a lot of mutants all over the oh, world. Oh, I'm sure. But he chose these four white teenage boys to come be his first students. <laughs> and there's something very strange about that. There to is me. something strange about that. We all know why that is. <laughs> 1963. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you learn a lot about him later. For example, he has a son who's a mutant who he basically keeps in a coma for years and years because he's afraid of the boy's power that's right like there's a lot of weird crazy stuff you learn about him but he's a very corrupt complicated uh individual one of my notes kind of spoke to how professor xavier and magneto are really not that different from one another they They're just not. go about things mm-hmm. differently magneto is and this is the perfect time for me to bring this up professor xavier and magneto track really closely with dr martin luther king jr and malcolm x because one of them took after gandhi and another one took after was like a lot more militant and so there is, and, and that's something that I've always been aware of ever since I was a kid. The differences, but they're not actually that different. They just in present this it differently. Comic. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you watch the, when you watch the animated series, the differences are a lot more obvious and they make a point. To make them a lot more different, and especially in the movies too. And that happens but, way more in the comics later. Does it really? I mean, okay. right now, right now, it's we have to fight the evil mutants, yeah. and that's right. that's how right, it runs right. for the first while. And 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 that makes sense though too, because they're they're trying to set a stage, and they don't really like one of the overarching impressions that I got from this this reading this first issue is that you know they had an idea, and they thought of you know. You know, they thought of it to a certain level, but they they were like, let's just get it out there. Let's just push it out there. And we'll figure out all the other complicated stuff later. Does that make sense? Yes. There's interesting things. We'll come back to Magneto in a minute. There's interesting things about Professor X here, too, in that they didn't plan for this at the time. But he tells the students that it's his first time meeting Marvel Girl. But you, but you learn later he's known her for months. Mm-hmm. And he tells the students he has been in a wheelchair since he was a kid. But you learn later he we became paralyzed as an adult. So the only way to go back is he's either lying or just like messing with them. Even though that's not what the writers were intending at the time. It's still, you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if we assume he has noble intentions, he sees the world as a dangerous place and he's bringing these teens in and he's teaching them to be their true selves and he's teaching them he to like... he should be his true self. <laughs> <laughs> he's teaching them to like push the limits of their power so that they can survive and he wants them to be better. He wants them to be standouts, model citizens, if you will, sure. so that they can like show the world that mutants can be good. You know, there's a good there. You know, uh, when when it comes time for Angel to do his training, there is a good example of that because Angel gets a little bit arrogant and he's like, you know, mistakes are for Homo sapiens and I'm Homo superior. And <laughs> Xavier is like, now, now. And so, so there is like, like his intentions are. I feel like his intentions are ultimately noble, but that doesn't mean that he is heroic or perfect. You know, he's and complex. Yeah. He's complex, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's that's why we like um, that's why we like Marvel. He is probably <laughs> my he is probably my least favorite X Men character. That's valid. Mm, yeah, mine too. Mine and too. Taylor just have to say for the rest of the podcast, you have to voice Professor X as a 1940s radio. Please, host. <laughs> you you set the standard, and now that's all you can do. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we... I will no longer speak to you <laughs> telepathically. <laughs> I will only use my voice. <laughs> so let's move to uh, the introduction of Marvel Girl. The boys are done training, and they oh the beautiful new redhead I pulls know. up in the car, and oh, they all she go looks gaga. Like she's just painted and into as that soon as costume. I know, and as soon as she pulls up, and Professor X is like, "Oh, a most attractive young lady is on mm. her way in." Like that mm. is how he introduces her before she even shows up. And along with that, I think it's really interesting because they all like rush to the window to look and all the boys are like, oh, she's so pretty. And Iceman's like, Psh, girls. Right. And I was like, oh, there we go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Early sign. Iceman is a walking off panel like, I don't know what's the big deal. It's just a girl. It yeah. makes me so happy. And so I was like, there's an early sign of his sexuality right there. So uh, tell us about your reactions to how the boys reacted to Marvel Girl. Gag me with a spoon. (laughs) Gag me with a spoon. Before I even get into the boys' reaction, I just want to talk about the narrative. Um, So the narrator says, Meanwhile, in a dormitory room at the world's most exclusive private school, Jean Grey is absorbed with her reflection in the full-length mirror. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Even if it's true, because, you know, if she's feeling herself, good for her. Yeah, but like, you don't have to say that the boys, they got their costumes and they weren't vibing to themselves, too. No, they made it a point. Yes. And notice about Miss Jean Grey. Notice all the boys like rapey looking around the corner. I know. (laughs) I have that written down with exclamation points underlined multiple times. Consent. Like when whenever he kisses her, like Beast kisses her. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no. Did he kiss her? Mm -hmm. I thought he just ran her his finger down her face. Whatever it was. was. He kissed kisses her cheek. Somehow that is worse. (laughs) Welcoming her to the school. It it did not have consent and he needs to chill. <laughs> and and what did she do back, Haleman? Oh, oh I loved it. Loved her. She did not <laughs> stand it up That's for right. herself. Sisters got that was not meant to be. That was not meant to be a test yep. question. Oh, it was totally a test because I forgot about it. That she telekinesis him. She like spat him around in the air. Right. And yeah. get away from me. And, and I, she's I like, I can really... take care of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're like, 
feeling it. <laughs> and she was holding, she was carrying herself in the most, oh, yes. like, upright and demure manner. She was like Madame McGonagall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to make an allusion to a completely different series, but, but yes, she was, uh, that's something that I really actually liked about her, was she didn't take, yeah, she didn't necessarily take visible offense to what the boys were doing, but she wasn't she standing for it. That she wasn't going to stand yeah. for that kind of which is very shatner. different from the very first reaction we had to the cover, because mm-hmm. she seems like the damsel in distress. But you but come to you find out the, yes. that she can handle herself very mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and so there's and she that. stands out too very yeah. well. I think so too. And not just because she's the only girl, right? But it's just because of that power that she has. And she like looks very strong, very, um, very strong actually. Her power signature, very much, very much. Her power signature here is like squiggly lines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Later, she's known for like pink energy, like like the waves. Yeah, like waves of pink energy and things like that. She's also not telepathic for a long time, and this she's only telekinetic and doesn't discover she has telepathy for quite some time. Go ahead. Oh, no, you. No, I have a question, actually. When um, Professor Xavier, he says, um, you possess an extra power in which ordinary humans do not. That is why I call um, my students X-Men for the extra power. Is he hinting that she has that extra power, like with the Phoenix, or maybe like not really? No, like, so that's what I'm kind of like mutants wondering. Mutants have uh, a different DNA. They have something called the like an additional chromosome. Mm-hmm. I think they call it the X chromosome in the comics. Okay. Uh, but I think or Xavier like just X factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Xavier just chose not that be because he likes his show. own little. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know like, how oh, the name wording them was, but no, the Phoenix doesn't come in for a long, long time. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, when does that come off? But here's, a, you know, on the subject of the Phoenix, though, um, Jean Grey is one of the, she is the character who, her powers, she starts off very simple, but as the issues go on, and as the canon moves forward, she is one of the most complex characters, and her powers grow exponentially, like, time after time after time. Phoenix happens. First, she learns how to become tele- telepathic. She starts out telekinetic, then she becomes telepathic, and then she begin- becomes able to control minds, just like Professor Xavier learns how to do. And then, all of a sudden, she becomes possessed with this cosmic force, and she can actually, she actually has the capacity to, to, to house that force and deal with that force. And then there's the whole Dark Phoenix thing, and it's like, I feel like Jean Grey really becomes like kind of a poster child for the, the, oh gosh, oh gosh, I'm getting myself into trouble. But like, I feel like she becomes the poster child for like, what happens when you start to realize who you are and how great and awesome you can be and dealing with the anger and the rage that amounts from other people not recognizing that and then coming back from that. Absolutely. I think uh, I think that's a really powerful metaphor. A similar thing happens with the invisible girl in the Fantastic Four. Right. She starts out as like the weakest character, mm. but she's like by far the strongest and most powerful in mm. that in that series as well. Well, and the way that Jean Grey carries herself with the boys and, you know, she's very self-possessed. I think that really speaks to what you were saying in the intro about her coming from a happy home, because 
she knows that she has power. She knows that she has worth like, because if she comes from a happy home, that's what she's been told, regardless of her power. And so I think that really speaks to how she carries herself and that she's not going to take any shit from the boys mm. because she knows that she doesn't have to. Yeah. So later, and I'll just I'll just throw this out because it's fun as an X-Men nerd. Later, Cyclops and Jean Grey have like a daughter who comes back from the future and joins the team. Jean Grey gets possessed by the Phoenix, but she they believe she's dead. And Cyclops marries her clone and has a baby who gets sent to the future and gets cloned. And then they both come back and like it gets it gets real crazy. There's clones and time travel and like alternate children from future timelines. And all of it is just woven in. But here it's very simple. Yes. (laughs) Before all that. Um, okay, so they meet Jean and they get into costume and then it is off to battle Magneto, who is one of the most iconic comic book villains of all time. But in this issue, he is an angry yelling man in garish <laughs> purple and red with a terrible helmet and a short cape. Yes. Tell me your thoughts about Magneto. I've got to hand well, it to the him. Short he, cape, honey. he has got the flair. Like whenever he writes that message in the air with like the magnetic magnetic filings, and then he signs um, his name in cursive. He signs it in cursive. And he's like, "Yep, <laughs> Magneto. Magneto. Surrender the base, or I'll take it by false." And it's very, it's signed very like Magneto. It's very Wicked Witch of the West from it like is. from Wizard of Oz. Surrender, Absolutely. Dorothy. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, what did you guys wow. think of Magneto? He's acting alone. Actually, he he doesn't have yep. his team. Right. That's something that I've noticed that is just him alone, just battling everybody. And it shows, I mean, I think it shows a, he's like really powerful in a way because he can like. He is really powerful. Yeah, he is super powerful. And I think that's all what he stands for. And what he believes is that he wants to stand out and be in control and show humans that he. He's, he's better than he's them. He's better than them. And he wants to conquer uh and comply and comply yeah you know? mm-hmm. at this yeah, point he's great. just he's just he's also an omega mutant but right. i feel like he's just toying with the military oh, yeah he's like i'm sure. gonna and destroy you your know, missiles and just screw with you i'm gonna fuck with you for days and days <laughs> yes yeah exactly but here's the thing is he doesn't kill anybody yeah. and he doesn't actually hurt anybody yeah nobody right. actually gets hurt so Although arguably he does try to murder the X-Men at least twice. Okay, but that's because he and Xavier He like they're, he like they're burns like up he like burns up a bunch of fuel and throws it at him and they know. narrowly survive. I'm just kidding yes. you guys. Just for the record, I do not know 100% if Professor Xavier and Magneto actually had any kind of like homoerotic relationships <laughs> just as a disclaimer okay so why does it say homo a lot just kidding <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i'm like oh, homo sapien oh, homo superior <laughs> but he only Who's the top? Who's the attempts to oh. kill the x-men when they're act- actively fighting against him like when he's just fucking with the military he doesn't actually hurt anybody right like, if anything he's actually helping the world a little bit getting rid of some missiles like which also right. cracks me up because when he first messes with the missile they automatically assume that it's been tampered with and it's like but missiles fail all the time like mission like things like this fail all the time why is your first thought oh it must have been tampered with but by who because even a microbe couldn't have gotten through our 
security. Like, <laughs> so it's like, but why do you automatically assume that it's been tampered with? Because that kind of stuff fails all the time. <laughs> so here Magneto's motivation seems simply like, I want to show them who's in charge. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But and here's where here's where one of those I told you about like the sliding time scale. Oh my god, his cape is so short. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What here's, the hell? So the, the sliding time scale, here's one of the problems with continuity. So you learn many years later in the comics that Magneto is actually a concentration camp survivor. Right. Oh, right. His yes. family was wiped out. And they put that in the movies as yeah. well, which totally changes his motivation oh, because well, he's he part of a race being exterminated. Yes. But if you consider that he was alive in the 1930s and 40s, in this comic, it's in 63. So it's like 20 years later. Mm -hmm. But if you assume that the events of this comic don't take place until like 2010, that means there's like 60 years of just missing history in his life. Mm -hmm. So it gets it gets complicated. So you have to just like put that stuff away somewhere. Okay. you also believe you also learn he and Professor X have a very complicated history that they've talked about. the Which may or may not be homoerotic. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. They've divided along like they have different motivations, different goals. uh, And one of the reasons he wears that helmet is it blocks right. Professor X's telepathy yes. which you later learn as well mm-hmm. did you guys like him as a villain I I did I liked him as the beginnings of a villain I've because, always loved Magneto well so, so have I there's, there's a particular bias that goes into it because I know Magneto as like Sir Ian McKellen right most strongly mm-hmm. and then I look back on him and sort of I, I sort of apply that but you know I, I as a villain yeah but I think he's also a little bit of a blank slate here in this first issue. Because, yes, mm. he is, like, you know what his goal is, but he's you don't know what he's willing to do to achieve that goal. Right. And because, again, they're setting the stage, and so he's kind of doing a he's small... He's kind of playing it safe. Yeah, he's pl- kind of playing it safe. Mm-hmm. And then when the X-Men come in and they're going up against him, he kind of sees, okay, now I have to... Br- in the future, I'm going to have to bring out the big guns because now I know what I'm up against. Mm. And so I like him in this issue as the beginnings of a villain because I don't think he's quite there yet that we can see. Mm-hmm. So here's an interesting thing, too. If you know the history between Professor X and Magneto, you know Professor X has made this school. Mm-hmm. He's brought in these teenagers and trained them. And the first mission he sends them on is to go fight his old friend right. who's like super powerful and wants to kill them. Yeah. Professor X is a jerk. Yes. He wants to say, I was right. Look at me. And that means Magneto knows who these kids are. Oh, like, he, has he wants to know somebody somewhere. else to deal with his problems instead of him dealing with it. It's his like own. Dumbledore. It, Dumbledore wants other people to fight his battles. Yeah. Because Dumbledore's a jerk. I hate Dumbledore. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about X Men, Magneto. But okay, like, go. I kind of feel like Professor X is bringing teens in, not only I to think- fight his mission, but to like teach Magneto he's wrong and he kind of sees the teens as expendable like they might go get murdered but at least Dumbledore, at least they'll you. do what I say Dumbledore had his reasons <laughs> there is never any reason to leave a child in an abusive household <gasps> Ooh, okay <Harry> okay <laughs> I, okay she I has know. she has her sources she, yes yeah. she does anyway yeah, she does we're talking okay. about Magneto not Dumbledore it's fine <laughs> that's okay I still have to I, I, I gotta bow <laughs> snap girl okay but it also makes me laugh with the military when they know that magneto's doing things and the one guy in charge is like double the guard and like all this stuff and it's like okay he can do all this from a distance what good is doubling the guard going to do like you haven't even mm. seen him yet 
and you're like, oh, we're going to double the guard and that's going to work. It hasn't w- worked up until now. What makes you think that just having extra people there is going to do anything for you? <laughs> so as you finish more the, writers needed, as you finish the issue, uh, two questions. Number one, who's your favorite character? And number two, what does it leave you wondering about? I'm always just a little bit biased. Um, Jean Grey is my favorite so far. And it's not just because she's the only woman, although that has a small effect. (laughs) But I just like the way that even though she is the only woman and it is 1963, she still is very self-possessed and she still knows what she's doing. And I do appreciate that. But other than that, I also really like Iceman because, you know, he's hilarious. (laughs) What did it leave you wanting more of or wondering about? So I'm wondering, like how and if the team will continue growing like if professor x is going to bring more people in if gene gray is just the beginning of him building more of a team so i want to see how the team will continue growing and how they will continue growing up because obviously they're they are teenagers and it's very clear that they are you know teenager young adult right in there and so i'm interested to see the character development and how they will grow up and mature if they do it all because you know some people don't (laughs) How about you guys? Who was oh. your favorite and what did it leave you wanting more so of? So Iceman about? actually caught me off guard because I did not know how how funny he was going to be and how like outgoing and actually how powerful he was. Um, and so he became actually my favorite out of this specific issue um, because... He just, I, I don't know, he just stood out to me so well. Like, he just is so funny. I, I, I actually like a little bit of a, a good humor here and there. So, especially since he's 16 and he's the youngest of the X-Men, he, he actually had a lot of confidence. And knowing now that he is uh, supposed to be queer, I just think that I wish I could have been that way at 16. Like, so confident and just like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like... And I think he's just badass. Honestly. Walking around naked and just at sixteen around, without a fuck so does that for you. Gives yeah. you lots of confidence. <laughs> well, and he brought that carrot and those like props to dress yeah. himself as a right. snowman. And I loved how he like dressed up as a, a snowman mm-hmm. when he was just like he he doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, does he? yeah, no, he like laughs about it. If something goes wrong, he's just like so outgoing. I love I love that about him, and I think. Um, makes me want to be something like that too. More like, more more l- loose, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know, but um, what I want to see more about is I don't know, I don't know what I I I'm not expecting anything. I just want to see like more of the growth of the characters and how it it projects and just like how it it leads to their growth from what we know today yeah i guess like i don't know what about you there is 60 years worth of growth and thousands (laughs) and thousands of comics right (laughs) but it's so interesting to see the how how they were before and what we know now like how would that progress like what are the steps that they take to progress to where they're at today Mm -hmm. so yeah it's fun Uh, taylor how about you um, for me, my my favorite character based on this issue is definitely Jean Grey. Um, she reminds me of the way she composes herself under 
under the um, scrutiny of these men's the patriarchy, the patriarchy, and everything. Like, yeah, like the way she handles herself is the way I would, you know, like it's the way that I would have loved to have been able to handle myself if I were in, like, if I were like back in in middle school or high school, like to be able to to carry myself in that kind of dignified way despite what people were saying about me and despite the way they were turning me into just like an object of their two-dimensional brain instead of trying to get to know me for who I really am like that really resonates with me and uh so you know I have to say that Jean Grey is definitely she's my my favorite one for for now, until Storm comes along, and then I'm going to be saying, Storm is my favorite one, and I love her. <laughs> and what did it leave you wanting more of or curious about? Um, overall, just overall, um, I want to know more about Magneto. I want to know more about, like, why he's doing what he's doing. And, of course, I do understand that retroactively. But if I were to be reading this comic book for the first time then I would be like, why is, why does he feel this way? And what makes him like, we haven't even, none of the characters have even interacted with normal people yet, except for like soldiers on a base. They've never actually, we've not seen them going through their daily lives with Angel in his straight jacket and Iceman, Iceman not being able to wear his ice and, and you know, them having to hide themselves in just like the regular public Circles. I kind of feel like we should call him Iceman. Iceman. <laughs> like a last name? <laughs> Bobby Drake, also known as Mr. Iceman. Robert Iceman. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Iceman. Uh, my favorite character after reading this issue, I'm, I'm, I enjoy Iceman the most, uh, just based on this first read, but I sympathize with Angel a lot, and it's that mm. single three-panel sequence of him hiding his wings yeah. that like really resonated with me. And of course, being a feminist at heart, uh, uh, Jean Grey's story uh, stands out. And I forgot how unlikable Professor X and Cyclops were back then. Uh, I mean, they grow on you over time, but ultimately they're a little bit irredeemable, even though you love them. Um, the, there's an image that I get of Stanley and Jack Kirby have like found something to market, right? They, they created the Fantastic Four and then it's all of these flawed heroes who like argue during their fights and some of them mm. have handicaps and they're like, Ooh, we need a blind one, Daredevil. And we need a guy in a wheelchair, Xavier. And like they, they have these ideas and they just like build on it. But as they tell their stories, much like with this podcast the first episode you don't quite know what you're doing always even when you come into the plan i feel like the first issue they're putting it together and then they build on the myth- mythos over time mm-hmm. but this is the this is the foundation upon which the whole x-men empire has been built uh, like these are the these are the characters that that started it all mm-hmm. uh, what was the single most ridiculous thing that happened in this comic book single books if you just oh. chose it all <laughs> Beast doing circles on a bar with his big toe. <laughs> I think it's got to be the boys all putting Xavier in a fucking recliner and like, okay, let's make sure he's comfortable for our training. So here's you and your lazy boy, and here's your blanket. Mm-hmm. And what else would you like? <laughs> Probably that too. Oh my god, I hate I hate that he has to like be taken care of by the by the students. So. 
And also to be on time, too. He's like, professor, like, I'm going to teach you something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the, the single moment that fills me with the most glee is Magneto writing his name in the sky. Yes. In <laughs> in I love it so much. Uh, okay, well, when we come back next time, we're going to be talking about X-Men number two, where the X-Men meet another evil mutant named the Vanisher. Ooh. What do you presume the Vanisher's powers are? It sounds... Children of the corn. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like almost someone like Kitty Pride who can walk through walls, so it seems like they're just vanishing out of nowhere and can, like pass through things but i don't know i've never actually heard of the vanisher so this is very exciting he's obscure <laughs> maybe he can telepath or uh transport to other places maybe he is he's like a teleporter mm. just flip <gasps> just flip to the cover of issue two. <laughs> i got it just flip to the cover of issue two and look at just his picture really quick oh, i just want to capture your it. live reactions to his image because he's amazing <laughs> So I have to I have to take this opportunity because we were talking about teleportation and stuff like that. I have to take this opportunity to say that my favorite my yeah, favorite the X man. Wait, where? Just right here. The guy right there on the cover. He looks like a frilled lizard. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the Dilophosaurus from the X or, or Jurassic from Park. Jurassic Park. He's like Anyway, we'll read about him next time. But anyway, what I was going to say is like, we were talking about like what our favorite X-Men was. I have to take it back because we're talking about tele- teleportation now. And so I have to say Kurt Wagner. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. Nightcrawler. I think that he's like number one, especially the way Alan Cumming yeah, played like, him Yeah, I was like, I might be movie. biased because so Alan cute. Cumming is my Nightcrawler and I love yeah. that Alan Cumming. Oh, and that tail. Oh, the <laughs> tail with the spade on the end of it and the way. Boom. They're doing they're doing some oh incredible God. things with Nightcrawler in the comics right now, so oh. he's he's near the top of my list. Oh. Good, cool. Do we get Gambit awesome. at all? He's so great. Ooh, Gambit. Gambit's not around he's for a long time. These these Gambit? first Gambit. these first like this first run of like sixty six issues is basically these same characters. Okay, with a few more that are added sure. in for a few issues at sure. a time. Okay. But uh, Magneto and his team come back big and they're like the recurring villains. But yeah, some of it's just nonsense. The <laughs> oh, and what about one. Colossus? Nope. Do that's Bobby not till so, so the 70s. Ever, like, have, have like a little kiki with each other? Colossus, like, do they ever... Colossus isn't gay. Mm-mm. That you know of. Not that you know of. <laughs> I mean, wink, wink. he's had a lot of female partners in the comics. That okay, doesn't fine. mean he's not queer. I mean, anyone could be queer. <laughs> yes. You're right. I don't think Colossus is on that list. But there are a number. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. There's um, a few dozen gay X-Men North now Star. in like 2021. North, North Star. Star being one. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Wanda's uh, son. Uh, what's his Wiccan. name? He, yes. Yeah, Wiccan is gay. He's not a mutant though, but he is gay. He's, he's a war, he's, he's a witch, like, witchy warlock. Right. Like, There's a whole backstory on he's that. He's got like, <laughs> he's, he, his it's origins are oh, like oh, Doctor Strange's origins in a way <laughs> right. where he starts out as. Is it true he starts out as kind of a normal normal person, but then he learns how to? Oh no. Or, Okay, well, now, apparently... I watched I WandaVision know, with my partner and his roommate, and they're big Wanda nerds, and so I got filled in on a lot of the I background. mean, the 30 <laughs> seconds or less commentary on Wiccan and Speed, that's his twin brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wanda's married to the Vision, who's a robot. Mm-hmm. She uses magic to create babies, but accidentally... Well, he's a synthesoid. <laughs> she accidentally brings portions synthesoid. of the devil's soul yeah. into her... And so later the devil comes and reclaims the babies. Yeah. And then many years later she goes insane 
and then the babies are suddenly back, but they're teenagers and now they're superheroes. That's the short version of a really long story. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's real complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Hey, this was so much fun. The X-Men have always meant a lot to me. When I was uh, 16 and uh, things were not good at home, I picked up my first X-Men comic book and it gave me a place to escape to. Uh, it gave me a voice for some of the things I was going through, and I have loved it ever since. So it's a a wonderful thing to be able to join with some friends and just talk about it and laugh. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you uh, next time on Gray Malkin Lane. Have fun.